Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the 1st to 15th podcast. I'm Joel Pulliam. And um, first of all, if this is your first time listening to this, the first, it comes from the First Amendment, which is the right to free speech. And the 15th comes from the 15th Amendment, which is the right to vote. And so that kind of gives you a rundown about what the show is about. Um, what I wanted to talk to everyone about today is kind of two things, but they, they go together. Um, the first thing is that earlier today, I, um, I saw a poll from, um, Quinnipiac and, you know, they're not like hundred percent, right. They weren't that good in last year's midterms, but I saw a poll that said that, uh, Donald Trump was leading Joe Biden in, uh, Pennsylvania 47 to 46. And the reason why I brought it up is that. A, it's it's is disheartening to think Donald Trump could earn 47 percent of anything, but I think it it's also shows that you know next year's election is going to be it's going to be tight, you know, you know, it, it's going to be a close election. Uh, I look back to 2016, right? The the three states that decide the election, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. They're decided by like a total, I want to say around 80,000 votes, 78,000, somewhere around that. Wasn't, give or take, it wasn't that big a margin. You look in 2020 and it flips, right? The Joe Biden is that the three, the three states there, Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. And I believe it's 42,000 votes, somewhere around that. was the That was the deciding factor in that race help flip the presidency um it goes to show that you know in this day and age you know long gone are the days of you know barack obama in 08 ronald reagan or something like that where people get all these electoral votes it's going to be close from here on out um and so it's kind of a a a a warning to democrats of the base right um on this podcast i want to tell the truth you know it's just a platform to tell the truth and we have to be honest that white grievance, um, it, it works in this country, right? Not saying it works 100% of the time, but 99% of the time. And um, it's nothing funny about it, but it's just, you know, it's crazy. You know, we also have to be honest that uh, Trump is kind of like caffeine for, for, he's that high for a lot of white people, right? And that they're going to show up because what he brings to the table, people don't want to admit it. He gets them hyped. A lot of white people who were on the sidelines before 2016 went out and voted for him. I think, you know, we have to also acknowledge going back to the 2016 election, you know, <laughs> putting the political capital on, is that, you know, a lot of people will blame, put it like this, third party, they are partially to blame, right? The Gary Johnsons and Jill Steins, you know, I'll admit it, they're, they're part of the reason why Hillary Clinton lost. But the other part is that Donald Trump was able to get white people to get off the sidelines to come vote for him. People who hadn't voted before. He brings something to the table in terms of that white grievance. It works in America. I'm, I'm just being honest. It works in every area of America. If you can, can meet that rage and stoke that anger within white people, they will come and vote for you. And so that's what he's bringing in 2024. And it's going to be a close election. And so on the flip side, you know, just I, people get paid in the Democratic Party. So I'm not, you know, but I, I think just on the outside looking in, 
they need to invest in black people in the black community. And really, it should have started before. It doesn't need to be around election time. It needs to be something 365, four straight years, all of a presidency, after presidency. And they could do much better with that. And I think also some people, and this is not wise, they also are counting on, well, Donald Trump will be in prison. Um, you know, that'll, that'll throw off the election. He won't win. Guys, if you're listening to this, A, I can't on one end say that a system is crooked and unfair against black people and helps people like Donald Trump get away with things and then say, I believe in that system to hold Donald Trump accountable. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I don't put my belief in the system because it, it doesn't use doesn't really work out that way. He's been able to get away with everything. Um, his, you know, I think justice will come to him, but I'm saying I'm not depending on the judicial system to deliver this country from Donald Trump. And contrary to popular belief, you can run for office from behind bars. There's nothing like I don't think there's any statute that disallows that. Right. Uh, there's this guy named Eugene Debs, you know, and his name has come back up, you know, on the news, you know, lately. Um, it's a man from uh, early 1900s. Right. Um, and during World War One, he's a socialist and he does not ascribe to America's intervention in, you know, World War Two. I mean, World War One. Sorry. And. Because of that, he's put in prison. But from behind bars, he actually runs in the presidential election and gets votes. Right. And there was nothing to stop him from doing that. So I, Donald Trump, it, by some, you know, miracles, you know, is behind bars by next November. He's still people can still vote for him. Right. And obviously it's tricky of whether someone can give a pardon to themselves or they would win the presidency. So I'm not going to get into all of that. But, you know, I, I think it'd be foolish to, to, to depend on the institutions to keep him from, you know, gaining power again. And I'll say this. You do not want someone like him gaining power again. It's like a bully. If you've ever been around him, you know, if, if, if a bully gets in trouble or, or they get found out, but they aren't disciplined. Oh, when they come back, it's going to be a problem for everybody. Because not only, like, you, you told them or whatever, they're coming back with a vengeance. And so that's what Donald Trump would be like. He would try to make, it, it would get ugly, you know. So I, I just think we need to do everything in our power. And obviously, you know, if you listen to this, you probably know that, right? Um, I do think when it comes to strategy, or not even strategy, it would be wise to consolidate your base, right? We talked about this uh, earlier in this podcast. The Republicans are going to consolidate a lot of white people around Donald Trump if we were to be the nominee, which is probably 99.9% going to be the case. And so I think for the Democratic Party, again, they probably know this. I really think black people are feeling a little um, underappreciated. Man, I get it. I'm not saying like all oh, they'll vote for that. Black people are not going to vote for no Donald Trump, but I'll say this. The vast majority aren't going to vote for Donald Trump, but I'll say this, you know, in a game, we talked about those numbers, 42,000 difference, a 10,000 difference in a state, 5,000 difference. Those numbers of black people who will show up and get off the sidelines and feel involved, that will make the difference between 
another term of, of Joe Biden or Donald Trump getting back in the White House. Right. Um, and that kind of goes into my second point today. It's really about, you know, how to get everyone involved. And it sounds cliche, but truly everyone, not just the soccer moms, not just the college grads, but everyone uh, from every corner of this country to feel involved. Um, I, I'm thinking about uh, I was actually watching a TV show earlier today. I'm not going to name the TV show, um, but they were talking about politics and it started off with uh, and, and the point the, it was a right point. The, the original point was about Trump voters. Right. I am not one who prescribed. I don't think that they've been misled. I'm a hard truth. A lot of people who are bigoted, they're willfully ignorant. You know, and so with that point, I agree. Um, but then it kind of shifted into a thing of, well, like, who do we want representing us? You know, college grads or people who aren't, you know, educated. And I want to say this. I didn't finish college like I went, but I didn't finish. I didn't graduate. Uh, so I, I need to be transparent about that. To me, that educate being educated or informed really has nothing to do with the a college degree doesn't necessarily reflect that. I, I put it like that, right? There are people, you know, who went to in the Republican Party or any politician who went to a Harvard or Yale, and they—I hate to say dumb—they're ignorant. You know, <laughs> they're Donald Trump has a college degree and he's ignorant, right? So I don't, I don't prescribe to like, well, if you have a college degree, you're automatically more like more informed or smarter than someone. Or need to be represented more in politics. Uh, because, you know, you look on the other end, right? You have, let's say, Abraham Lincoln. He taught himself law. And a lot of people and historians, it's kind of unanimously believe he's the greatest president ever. So, I don't, I don't think, I mean, Frederick Douglass. Like, there are people who don't have college degrees who are very astute. When it comes to politics, who are very informed, who are very educated. But let me say this. That doesn't mean you get your news <laughs> from TikTok or Twitter or Facebook. Please don't. Like, go to reputable sources, books, newspapers. Like, watch the news. And maybe not all the news because, you know, things like Fox News. I mean, obviously don't watch that. But, like, list, like listen to people who have experience in these things. Um... And also, I know when it comes to politics, I'll say experience also is the best teacher. Um, there are a lot of things I couldn't learn in school about politics that I had to just learn working in campaigns or working in this organization or talking to voters. Like you just learn on the job specific things that you really couldn't learn anywhere else. So I don't like when we limit it to just specific backgrounds because that that goes to the bigger point of reflecting the true voice or the the true consensus in the country like again let's put the trump voters to the side because i'm not talking about them right now i think they're far gone i hate to be like that but i'm not talking to them right now um i'm dealing with their people who are well-meaning who are just on the sidelines they just they're not politically involved and that rhetoric from that tv show to date that's part of the reason right they feel um, intimidated. They feel as if no one will really care what they have to say. 
they don't feel invited to come to these functions to to speak to candidates all these things they just don't feel like people want to involve them and i want to say something to the listener and i'm very passionate about this don't you ever let someone make you feel small about you speaking up on behalf of yourself your family your community if it's based in 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 fact and truth and it's your experience don't let anyone put you down about that and don't ever feel like you don't belong because I used to be apprehensive to speak up on things because I didn't feel like I was qualified. But then you feel like you've had enough. And you're like, no, nah, I'm going to say something about it. And, you know, I've been, grace of God, I've been able to, to, to work for a presidential campaign. I've been able, you know, shout out to Miss Yolanda Anderson. I've been able to, to work for voter protection. I've been able to work alongside the NAACP and do all these things. But. At the same time, there have been a lot of people who don't listen to me. A lot of people who won't respond. A lot of, you know, a nonprofit or a government agency where you don't fit the qualifications and they don't want anything to do with you. They don't listen to you. They ignore you. So I know that I've had people who I work with on a campaign kind of insult my intelligence. So I know the double side to that. So I'm not one of these people who, who don't get it. I get it. Trust me. But I learned, well, it's inherent, it's been inside of me because of my parents, Todd and Michelle, I'm going to speak up for what I believe in, 10 toes. And I don't care if you're a, 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 a teacher, I don't care if you're a firefighter, I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, I don't care if you're a video editor, I don't care if you're homeless. I want you to listen. What you say matters. What you what you feel matters and that you have to speak up there like or nothing will ever change. Don't ever feel like you don't belong in places because let me tell you something. Your vote matters as much as Joe Biden's vote. It matters as much as uh, uh, LeBron James vote. It matters as much as my vote it matters as much as any stranger you meet. All of our votes, they count the same. And I think the problem is, is that. Politicians do ignore people, right? Parties do ignore people. But guess what? You stay on their necks until they acknowledge you. You keep screaming until they hear you. You got to be stubborn. You can't get anything in this life without being stubborn. I don't care what anyone says. And even when it comes to the, to, to the forces of good, you have to be stubborn. You stand ten toes and you scream it from the mountaintops until they can't ignore you. And as black people, you really feel it to where people, you know, they, they don't acknowledge you. Like you feel sometimes, I ain't going to say used, but I'm being transparent here. Like you're disposable. Well, if we get you for this, all right, we're cool. But other than those issues, we don't really want to hear from you. Right. I remember uh, I live in Virginia now from South Carolina. Shout out to SC. But um I live in Virginia now, and I remember uh, going to a barber shop, and the guy who cut my hair. Now, this is the interesting part of that night. Um, again, I was uh, able to go to a it was like a Christmas thing in the White House, you know. And it's taking my mom, and uh, he was cutting my hair, and he told me he was like, you know, when I told him where I was going, he's like, "Man, that's awesome with politics." He's like, you know, I just wish there were you know more people like us in it, you know. 
he was talking about how he, how he didn't know how to be, how to get involved. He didn't know, you know, he, he had things to say, right? He had uh, issues he cared about. He just didn't know if, like, anyone would hear him. He didn't know what were the gateways. And there's a lot of gatekeeping in politics. I'm going to say this, that we don't make it easy for people. We make it, like, okay to vote, and that's the most important part. We don't make it very easy for people to be heard, right? And so that's also a problem. And it just struck me because, like, he was very passionate about the things he believed in, right? But he just felt, you know, not inadequate. He just felt, like, unheard. He felt like no one really cared. And there's, and it sounds cliche, but there's a lot of people who are like that, like me and him, who are like that. Who don't feel that people hear you. And that is a major obstacle in politics, especially... You know, if I take a step back and if you're the Democratic Party, you need those types of people. You need those barbers, right? <laughs> you need all types of people because you are not, you know, homogenous, right? You're not all white for the most part like a Republican Party. You're diverse. You're a big tent. So you need people from all walks of life. And that what that barber said, like that stuck with me. I remember, you know talking to my mom and my brother and I was like man like that guy really was passionate but he didn't know how to get involved and I'm gonna be honest with you before I worked in politics I didn't know how to get involved you know and I, that's also the problem like the good old boy system of if you don't check a background thing if if you're not from you know this family or you don't know this person or you didn't graduate from this school or you're not a part of this group you know you're not a part of our our, our circle politics let me tell you you will always hold yourself back as a party, as a country, whoever, as a politician, if you're not involving everyone. Now, if you want it to be a nepotism political game, I scratch your back, you scratch yours. Okay, cool. But you're going to be stuck in a certain place forever. And again, I know this because I know the inner workings of politics. We don't have enough people who feel involved. And we don't do a good enough job of reaching out. And before you say... Oh, you know, well, they should know. Look, look, I inherently, yeah, voting, I'm with, I, I am totally with that. Like, voting is the most important part. But guess what? That is what our job is. It is to influence people. It is to build a consensus towards things bigger than ourselves. Everyone will not have the same thought process as you. They won't be gung-ho like I am for voting or for politics. And that is what we are here for, is to help get people on your side, to hear people, to reflect how they feel. It's not just how we feel about things. I just feel like there's so much untapped potential politically in this country, right? Even within the black community, there's still countless people who feel unheard, unseen, unloved and they're just looking for someone to reach out to them for a lot of those people politics is not you know do i get to go to a party or no it's life or death politics for them is do i get the lights cut on can i get you know my for my porch fixed can this road by my house be can it be fixed am i going to be let go from this job it's life or death and I'm not here to say that politicians don't care about people. 
like every politician doesn't care about people because that's not true. I've met great people in politics. But as a whole, I think this country and even the Democratic Party can do better at involving these people. 100 million people are estimated to like skip out on voting who are eligible to vote. That's untapped potential. Imagine the stuff we could get done if we had those people, right? The the Voting Rights Act could be restrengthened. You could you could have a military weapon ban. You could end abortion bans. We could actually pass a policing act to hold police accountable. We could end qualified immunity. We can do all these things. Even the thing is considered impossible. But we have to get those people off the sideline. I just, it, it, it's kind of like a church, right? Uh, my dad, you know, he's a pastor. And then one thing we always talk about is like, if the same people come to your church and it doesn't grow, then are you really making a move for God? You know what I mean? If it's just an echo chamber, what are we doing? There's still stones unturned. There's still people who haven't been reached. You know, we talk about in gospel, you know, in Christianity, those who haven't heard the good news yet. Right. And so I think. Democratic Party, I think this country as a whole, you know, and I point out the Democratic Party because I feel like the Republican Party is just long gone, but you could do a better job of reaching those people, especially black people where they at. And um Making them feel involved and that they're heard. It, it reminds me of, you know, a Fannie Lou Hamer. Someone who would fit into that category of some of a person this country would never listen to. Right? They wouldn't it wouldn't give Fannie Lou Hamer a chance. This is a woman who at the age of twelve had to leave school. She used to pick hundreds of, of pounds of cotton a day. And this is while having polio. And in 1962, you know, she goes to register to vote. They won't allow her. She comes back every 30 days over and over again. It eventually leads her to being arrested and being brutalized by police. Right. And, and she becomes involved and becomes one of those leading voices in civil rights to Almost, to the point where she almost speaks at the 1964 Democratic Convention. But, you know, Hubert Humphrey, Vice, uh, Vice President Hubert Humphrey, who up until that point has a stellar record when it comes to civil rights legislation, but in this moment he failed. He says that she's too illiterate, which is coded language if I ever heard it. I mean, even after that... You know, and it's not just rele relegated to white people who say this about her, right? Even, you know, Roy Wilkins, who is a champion of civil rights, and I'm not here to disparage anything that he's done. He is a legend. He says that she's too ignorant and that she doesn't know politics because of the way she speaks. You know, even when she's going to get an honorary doctorate from a college, you have people, some black people who didn't want her to get it because she had no formal education. You know, and it takes people like Ella Baker and Malcolm X speaking up on her behalf for her to receive the honorary degree. 
and you know speaking to just my community um and i hate i don't like to say stuff like this in front of like the world or anything we have to be careful not to do that within to ourselves right to look down on any other black person because we're all we got and we need each of us in order we're only what 13 14 percent we need all of us from from every walk of life in order for this to work the doctor and the dishwasher and and the, the teacher all of everyone everyone's voice and effort it it's needed and everyone needs to feel appreciated for it to work and and the interesting thing you know back to 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 Fannie Lou Hamer the interesting thing about her is that I think the one thing people get wrong about great orators is that they think it's in the vocabulary when it has nothing to do with that at all it's kind of like with singing great singers to me it's not about the technical stuff you can do in both cases with speaking or anything when it when it comes to like orating it's about can you make someone feel a certain way right she might not have the vocabulary of w du bois who i mean with himself is legendary she doesn't have that but she can emote what she's trying to say to you and that's anything in politics it's about that more so than the outward appearance or how someone speaks none of that matters can you connect with people right and i want to say to political parties right to 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 this country that's not always found in people who have degrees from harvard that's not always found in someone who has a doctorate the the ability to connect with people and to have empathy and to feel what they feel is found in all walks of life and that there are plenty of Fannie Lou Hamers around here, around this nation, within our community. But they're never heard because they don't fit into a certain box. And they don't sound a certain way. And they don't come from a particular background. But guess what? They are still valuable. And what they bring to the table is as valuable as someone who has five degrees. Because to make it in politics, really? You only need a few things. The truth. You need integrity. What you need most of all is a heart for people. And if you have those things, you you could change your community. You could transform your state. Shoot, you can revolutionize the entire world. So don't let anyone ever tell you that you don't matter or make you feel. And don't let your mind tell you you don't matter. Show up to those school board meetings. Right? Go protest in those streets. Boycott. Do whatever you have to do to get them to hear you because your voice deserves to be heard. And don't you stop until they hear you. Right? Hold people accountable. Speak up. Stand ten toes on what you believe. Because the biggest lie that's ever told to you is that you don't matter and that no one will ever hear you and that we don't care. Because well, if no one else is going to listen to you and no one else cares about you, if you listen right now, know that I do. I'm reminded of a statement I heard um, after the death of Jordan Neely, the murder of Jordan Neely. Um, 
a month ago on the New York subway, person said that we don't run out of money or resources. We run out of people. You know, and the reason I said that is that we all need someone to believe in us and to hear us and to feel heard and to feel wanted and to feel loved. And as soon as this nation can master listening to marginalized people and showing them that they care, the sooner we can reach our potential. So with that being said, Thank you for listening, and remember that being upset is okay, because passion only means one thing, that you're still alive. God bless.